You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 193 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on December 4th. We managed to pull ourselves together long enough to record an episode. Kind of hard to tell which one of us is in the worst shape today. Well, from uh, an audio standpoint, I think it's going to be pretty easy yeah. to tell. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes things work out because over the last couple of days, we've actually gotten a lot of really interesting news from the comic book movie front. Like, seriously, literally an hour ago, uh, Marvel finally confirmed that, yes, Benedict Cumberbatch will be playing Doctor Strange. We talked about that a few weeks ago, but it's nice to have the confirmation. And they also announced that uh, Kristen Ritter will be Jessica Jones in the upcoming Netflix series. Uh, she played Jane in Breaking Bad. She was fantastic in that role, though I'm currently having a bit trouble wrapping my head around her as Jessica Jones, but we shall see. Yeah. And then yesterday, Warner Brothers basically announced the entire cast for the Suicide Squad movie. I'm not too sure about the strategy of following up Batman Superman and putting out a Suicide Squad film before, you know, Wonder Woman or any of the other characters that or people Justice would know. League. Yeah, but they are definitely sparing no expense in the casting department. Uh, they announced previously uh, Margot Robbie, who was in Wolf of Wall Street, will be playing Harley Quinn. And then yesterday they came out and announced that Jared Leto will be the Joker. Will Smith will be Deadshot. And Tom Hardy will be the team leader, Randall Flagg. Will Smith? What? Listen, Will Smith, he's been a good actor in some movies. But Deadshot in a major superhero franchise, it's that's well, it's pretty just, damn weird to me. It's it's the unless they're planning on playing Deadshot more of a hero type character, but they're not. And Smith really is always playing hero characters for the most part. That's I, I'm also really him. having a hard time like envisioning him in a movie that's uh, directed by David Ayer, who did you know Fury and Training Day and End of Watch. He's a very like gritty, serious director, which even in Will Smith's more dramatic roles, it's not really been his aesthetic. Well, they're going to have to obviously pull that back because they're still going to want to be pulling in young audiences. So I would guess that's not really going to be an issue. I don't know. Doesn't. Eh, who knows? We'll see. See, the thing, the, the one thing I keep coming back to here is Jared Leto is actually a pretty damn good actor. He doesn't take a whole lot of roles, but he was uh, mentioned briefly for the role of Doctor Strange. I guess he turned that down. And I think he could play a great Joker. The only problem is it doesn't matter because he's not Heath Ledger. And this yeah. soon, this soon after The Dark Knight comes out, regardless of how good he is in the role for most people, it's just going to be, no matter how good he is, it's just going to be as a comparison to what we saw a few years ago in Dark Knight. Yeah, but we were comparing Ledger to Nicholson. I mean, like quite seriously comparing him too. And he got a lot of flack that, oh, he could never be as good as Nicholson was. So I think that regardless of who 
does the role. There's always going to be comparison. But, right, but at least he, there was 20 years in between those two roles. But 20 years for such an iconic portrayal, all that does is cement that idea in your head all the more. So something like this, if he can knock it out, I think that I, I, he could still do a damn good job and the comparison can end there. I, it will initially, of course, be compared, but I think that if he really pulls it off and sinks himself into the role, maybe not to the point that Ledger did apparently, <laughs> or allegedly, but I mean, he I don't know, he, I'd be willing to, to, you know, let him stand on his own feet. I'm all for it personally. I think he can do great in that role. I'm just talking about, you know, public perception at large. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, on to our actual Actually, comic. Well, before, hey, oh, hey sticking with film, have you been watching The Flash yet? I I haven't been watching any TV, to be perfectly okay. honest. All right. So you haven't watched The Flash and The Arrow because this last week they did a crossover with the two of them because they did a little bit of that earlier on towards the the end of last season of Arrow and beginning of this season of The Flash. They kind of had each of them in, in each other's show kind of thing. But this week they had a kind of a versus kind of thing that they always love to do and a team up between the two of them. So the, the crew that works with the Arrow as well as the crew that works with The Flash were kind of working together on each other's episodes. So everybody knows everyone's secret identity is what you're telling Yeah, me. well, that's kind of been the, the running <laughs> gag in both of these shows already. Um, but literally just finished watching it before we recorded because we watched The Arrow. Um, we watched Flash yesterday once. I got to say, it was a freaking blast to watch. I enjoyed it. And it's it's one of those, you know, it's hokey. It's the team-up show. But there's a reason why team-up comic book things are fun to read. It's because it's goofy and hokey and it's a couple of people, super-powered people, kind of hanging out. And they did a really good job because, of course, one has powers and the other one just has a deep voice (laughs) and can shoot a couple of arrows. (laughs) But they did a good job with that to the point of, (laughs) spoiler warning, like Hero has a couple of crossbow is set up to shoot Barry in the back at one point to prove a point. It was it was really a lot of fun. I'm really hoping that they do a hell of a lot more of these kind of things with these two cat crews. Mm-hmm. And then finally, since you brought it up uh, in slightly related news, Constantine hasn't been officially canceled, but they're also no longer working on the show. <laughs> that kind of means that it's canceled. Yeah, I'd say it hasn't been officially canceled, but it's canceled. I haven't watched the last few episodes. Mm. All right. Now can we talk about comic books? Yeah, sure. All right. You're the one that's been wanting to talk about this for months and you don't. My energy level, dude, is like, (laughs) trust me. Okay. (laughs) I've had this sick for a week now. So I finally caught up. On Rocket Raccoon, uh, written by Scotty Young, art by Scotty Young and some French guy, <laughs> Jean-Francois Bellew, Bellew, yeah, some Hold French up. guy. I'm pulling it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Jean-Francois Beaulieu. That, that's exactly what I said. Let's go with Yes. <laughs> you realize I'm going to have to split this now, loop it three times, what you actually did say. And then we can proceed. Sounds exactly the same to me. No. Wait. <laughs> Jean-Francois Bellew. Bellew. Be- 
Yeah. Jean-Francois Bellou. Bellou. Yeah. Jean-Francois Bellou. Bellou. Yeah. <laughs> and as we've touched on when we've uh, spoken about this comic previously, this is just a really fun comic book. Yes, it has its serious moments, of course, as we'll get to, but you don't go more than a page or two without also having like a smile on your face because, well, first of all, Scotty Young's artwork, he could draw like horrific war scenes and I think he would still make it awesome and cute in some ways, (laughs) but he just gives Rocket so much expression with his facial features, his, and just, just the general way like his movements and it's just a great comic to look at let alone read oh yeah the art is is spectacular it's Mm -hmm. it's funny because you would think based on you know all the covers we've seen of his and whatnot and the style that he has that it wouldn't have the ability to convey as much as it does but like you said there are moments that are, you know, profound. And because he is the only one of his kind, he feels and things like that. And, and, and other moments too. And you're like, it's, it, it conveys that so well. And yeah, the art blows me away. Every single issue. Well, obviously the last one, especially it was just, none of the text mattered. It was all (laughs) everything that you saw is what, push the story for it yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and quickly yeah. jump ahead to that uh, most recent issue issue five it's a uh, it's a one-shot issue of Groot telling a campfire tale to a couple of kid you know little kid aliens so of course the entire comic the dialogue is nothing but i am Groot so the artwork is what has to carry the whole issue and despite the fact there was no meaningful dialogue it told a great story. And this is something we've seen so many other comics do for various reasons, you know, the silent issues and whatnot. Although those are usually a more serious, like somber sort of thing. This is just a grand adventure of, you know, pirate treasure maps and you name it with Rocket and Groot gallivanting across the galaxy to find this hidden treasure. And it is fabulous. What kills me about this issue is that this whole I am Groot thing has consistently been something we've talked about it in the past where I'm like, oh, come on, I can get behind a lot of things, but that's, it just, it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> but it's funny when you're reading this and you're seeing it in the context with the images and your brain is putting in what you assume to be the words of what might be happening and it's like, oh, this is what they're doing, like in the movie and stuff like that. And how they're interacting, they're transposing what they believe he's saying as the the actual text. And it's, I'm glad he did this because it put a whole other layer on on this I am group for me to appreciate it more than I did before. Yeah, and give me one second here to pull this up to see who it was. Uh, Jeff Eckleberry did the lettering on that issue, and that actually went a long way towards conveying the mood based on, you know, emphasis and bold lettering and the size of word balloons and that sort of stuff. So mentally, you're reading I Am Groot in, you know, 
50 different tones of voice and inflections. So even as the reader, you're conveying that emotion and the intent upon the scene with just those three words repeated a thousand times. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, jumping back then, the first four issues, which was the main storyline that we've been going through here. Rocket definitely knows how to get himself into some trouble. <laughs> trouble finds him, let's be honest. Well, mostly of his own design, though. <laughs> I mean, there, there are two major antagonists in these first four issues. Uh, the first one is somebody who's been going around the galaxy looking an awful lot like Rocket, killing people, so Rocket has been framed for murder. Now, on one hand, yeah, okay, he didn't kill those people. He, he doesn't want to get, you know, locked away for a crime he didn't commit. But on the other hand, that means he's not really the last of his kind, which has kind of been his, you know, his go-to calling card. Like, even what we saw in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, you know, that, that was one of the best scenes in the movie yeah. <laughs> with him giving that speech. So for this sudden twist that, you know, he may not be the last, that gives him so much motivation, not only to clear his name, but to find out who the heck this other raccoon is. Don't call it a raccoon, though. I I had talked about this before as I was reading each issue and each issue ends and you really cannot wait to find out more. I'll give Young that too. He knows how to lay a good cliffhanger because each one you're dying to see what is going to be happening next. That story unfolding, grand adventures, silly, stupid fun, but you also had those moments where just like in the movie, there's that introspection where he's like wondering if it could be real, if it could be somebody else or not. And of course, the reveal was well, a ton of fun. And then on the other hand, he's also being chased down by an armada of his ex-girlfriends because despite the fact he's technically a hero, Rocket is also kind of a jerk and he screws over any number of people along the way. As he says, you know, he has a bit of a gambling problem and he ends up picking up these women, taking all their money, blowing it and then leaving them behind until they finally form this alternate universe Scott Pilgrim team of teaming up to hunt down Rocket. And this is where he gets himself into the situation. Trouble doesn't find him in this case. Well, they kind of went looking after him. What? He was trying to get away in the fish car thing. I believe the phrase is, don't start nothing, there won't be nothing. <laughs> I, I, and then I, I'm hoping they come back to this, though, because even once the storyline was semi-wrapped up, we didn't get any resolution. Like, there was an end to it, but I feel there needs to be more resolution to that storyline. Well, no, there was the big cliffhanger reveal of yeah. the other possible raccoon female raccoon of course so i'm thinking that's the next story arc right there i'm really hoping it's going to be and i also just really have to appreciate how weird scotty young is willing to go with this like you said the fish car but also drawing inspiration from you know various other resources macho gomez was a throwaway villain that was in like three issues of deadpool six years ago and they were awful issues too but he went okay this is a cool character i can do something with this and made it a lot of fun as a great foil for rocket as another completely goofy completely ridiculous character that just works in this setting for the comic i didn't realize that was an existing character exactly he'd only been in a couple 
issues of Deadpool prior That's to awesome. this. So I recognized that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's that guy. I had to, I had to like, wiki to remember where the <laughs> heck he was from. That's awesome. And then kind of just goes without saying that Blackjack O'Hare is actually a character from Rocket's original miniseries way, way back in the day. That I didn't know either. Yeah. I, again, I had to wiki, though. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad I for- finally forced myself to catch up on the comic because I said I read the first couple issues. I enjoyed them and just you know how things go. Sometimes you forget to read an issue or five. Yeah. And then also uh, I figured we would talk about the other Guardians of the Galaxy solo comic that's coming out right now with the legendary Star-Lord written by Sam Humphreys, art by Paco Medina, Juan Vlasco, and David Curiel, with uh, Freddie Williams II filling in for Paco on one fill-in issue. And I don't know where Paco Medina's been for the last few years, because I've loved everything he's drawn for Marvel, but I'm glad he's back. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. This is a gorgeous comic. This, yeah, it's spectacular. But you were the one that was telling me that he and Ramus studied at the same... School no, that was that, uh, Bacalo I was okay. talking about. You sure about that? Yeah. Okay. Because it's very, very similar I, it's, to Ramis. It's entirely possible that he, he's, in the, he's in kind of the same school, if you will, because, yeah, yeah there's de- a definite similarity in yeah, the art very style. Similar. I, uh, that's why I love them both so much. I adore this art style. Mm-hmm. So this is, of course, following Star-Lord, Peter Quill. <laughs> and it's interesting just how similar he is to Rocket in so many cases. Although I don't think we can chalk any of this up to Trouble Finds Peter because he absolutely puts himself into these situations. Again, not all the time. Oh, come on. (laughs) Uh, In the first three issues, he's captured and thrown into three separate jails. Yeah, but that's becoming his thing, apparently. He's like Space Hawkeye almost. Every issue could just start with, okay, I know this looks bad. (laughs) So at the beginning, uh, he's at this orphanage. And I I really liked that first issue, how they were kind of tying in and showing like, yeah, okay, he's, you know, you're dashing, you know, Han Solo type. But it's showing that, you know, there is still heart to the character. He may be a womanizer. He may get into so much trouble. He may double cross just about anybody he can find. But. It's important that at least off the bat they showed the more human side of the character and definitely give him that depth that we saw with uh, tying in his his childhood on Earth with how he reacts to things around him. I think it was important, especially for a lot of people like myself, too, who mm-hmm. really didn't read this back in the day. I didn't read Guardians. so And I have not read a lot of the cosmic stuff that you have over the years either kind of thing. I've read some, but not nearly as much. So I don't know these characters nearly as well. So starting off this one issue with my main knowledge of the character being the movie, I mean, yeah, I've read some, but you know, not too much. Then it was good to, to lay that foundation of this is who he is. This is kind of the, that line that he skirts, but he doesn't go past a certain point. Mm-hmm. And of course, he ends up getting picked up by bounty hunters because there's a price on his head. Uh, he, uh, uh, some weird guy named Mr. Knife is out for blood. It's actually called a blood bounty. So the next 
three issues are basically Peter dodging one form of bounty hunter or another. Once he escapes from the Badoon, he gets picked up by Victoria, his half sister, <laughs> who is a commander of what's left of Spartax's Royal Guard. Uh, in the Guardians of the Galaxy, basically, Peter exposed his father, uh, the emperor of the Spartax Empire. Uh, as you know, just basically being the jerk that he is in civil war revolution that Spartax isn't in good shape right now. So <laughs> the sister he never knew he had not terribly fond of him, but I, I loved the interactions between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been keeping up with guardians. I'm, I'm behind. So there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know, but it did a good enough job kind of laying the groundwork that you know what it is. Mm hmm. And then third issue, he's thrown into jail again. But the one thing I'm really enjoying about uh, these first few issues is the relationship between him and Kitty, which we saw established during that crossover. And Bendis has been writing like Kitty's side of things over in all new X-Men and Humphreys is writing Peter's side of things over here. And it's just it's such a fun relationship with these two characters because they're talking via hologram. So it really requires a lot of actual character development instead of just, Hey, we're going out on a date. That said, I don't know if you wanted to cover six at all that just came out. Did you read it? I actually haven't read the six one. Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't know it just came. Yeah. Oh no, it, it just came out yesterday. That's right. Yeah. It's in my, it's in my new releases for this week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. we won't talk about it now then. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you read it first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I mean, come on, she dressed up as a banana and sang hooked on a feeling for <laughs> up until the, that point, one to five was awesome, tons of fun and good story kind of stuff. Nothing spectacular, but it was, it was good. And then I just read six yesterday and I was like, oh, come on, give me a break. If mm. these were two kids, all right, fine, I could buy it. But they're both freaking adults in their 20s, 30s, what? I mean, Kitty's no spring chicken anymore, neither is he. And there are scenes in there that were grown-worthy. One in particular was like, you did not just do that, Humphreys. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. It was horrible. So that's what I think of the relationship as is going now. Okay. So what did you think of the issue where he finally went to challenge Thanos? Where the hell did that crystal come from? Because I don't seem to... That's the one from the, the, the first issue. The first issue, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So, but not enough is really that it's like told that it's strong enough that it could take on Thanos. Is that ever really... Because I read the first issue. That's just kind of a, here's a thing, and, go with it. Yeah. So it was like the whole bit about like going against Thanos was always one of those, listen, buddy, you got freaking blasters on your boots and you could shoot a gun. This is Thanos, let's be honest here. And so the crystal was never really something that made sense to me that it would be something. But then, I mean, freaking Thanos with a glove taking on everything. I mean, you got to roll with it, like you said. I I don't know. I wasn't as crazy about that issue. Just, yeah. I, it e- even me, who's super into all the cosmic stuff, I was like, like, there was no point to it. It was just, okay, they got into a fight and then... They walked away from each other because, you know, Peter couldn't do it. You know, he couldn't pull the trigger. Why would Thanos dying explode the moon? Why? How does that make sense? I don't think it was Thanos himself dying, but, you know, that would be his last act, if you will. Still, like, it it was ultimately pointless. And plus, that was the fill-in issue, and the art wasn't anywhere near as good as all the other issues were. No, No, I didn't like it as much. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then we come to find out what's going on with uh, Mr. Knife and his intergalactic slaughter squad. God, who named that? That is like straight out of the 60s. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> We've moved past <laughs> this. But we find his uh, big goal was this weird mirror thing called the Black Vortex. And this is going to be super important because the upcoming all-new X-Men slash Marvel Cosmic crossover event that's happening, I think, in February is called the Black Vortex. So we'll see what comes of that. There's a mirror. Yeah. Ooh. Spooky. Scary. <laughs> Somebody give me a rock. I'll solve this problem real fast. <laughs> but yeah, overall, it it's still a fun comic. It's it it's an interesting character. Like, I actually didn't think I would enjoy this as much as I did with him as a solo character. And it's nowhere near the best comic out there, but it's still very enjoyable. It's not as good as Rocket Raccoon, even, who I, I also would not have thought of, would have worked as a solo character. But they're really finding writers and artists who are, you know, finding the characters and making it work and doing interesting things with uh, with these guys. And I, I really like that. Yeah, it's it's not a comment that I would tell people you have to read this every month. Mm-hmm. But if you want to read it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not every issue, but most of them, which is, Mm -hmm. hey, that's saying a lot, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be honest. You know what? Four out of five. Well, I guess four out of six at this point from what you're telling me. That's still not a bad batting average. Yeah. It's better than we see from most. And I I think it's later this month, maybe next month, that we're seeing the Gamera comic is launching as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Who's going to be writing that? I honestly, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. But uh, that's at least a character I can see being more interesting from a solo standpoint. I mean, she's basically space Wolverine, <laughs> but uh, seeing what they're going to do with her. Awesome. All right. And to what we're reading, uh, actually, I haven't read much of anything over the last couple of weeks, so I only oh, have a couple geez. I want to talk about. Well, then I've got us covered. I figured you would. <laughs> well, I have more than the two, but I'm assuming you're going to touch on a lot of the other stuff. But uh, the most recent issue of Guardians of the Galaxy. God, what issue number was that? Uh, two seconds, two seconds. Guardians. Uh, 21 is what it was. Uh, this is finally starting the Planet of the Symbiotes story arc that uh, they teased way back when when Venom joined the team. After the comic went largely off the rails with their original Sin tie-in with the whole Richard Ryder stuff, it's great to see the team back together and finally picking up on these old storylines. Loved the stuff with uh, Flash going around the alien world trying to hide himself. So he's using – so he's basically wearing a Venom hoodie. So it's actually pretty fun. But tying back in with Legendary Star-Lord, the scenes in this book between Peter and Kitty were fantastic. Hmm. I really enjoyed them. And then just, you know, kicking off the big storyline and seeing where things go from there. It's <laughs> this comic, I, I was actually telling someone on Twitter this morning, has been inconsistently great. <laughs> when he's focusing on the Guardian stuff, it's always been a lot of fun. But all the crossovers and tie-ins have been entirely skippable, largely. So when, he, when he's doing his thing, it's a good comic. And that's he, what we're up to right now. Cool. And then briefly, Godzilla Cataclysm. I mentioned this uh, with the first issue several months ago. It's just really cool to see this unique take on an iconic character. I mean, Godzilla's been around for 60 years at this point, but they're telling a post-apocalyptic story, you know, with 
not necessarily him, of course, but the, the human survivors of, you know, these monster attacks. And it, I, I just really like that writers and, and storytellers, even this far into a character's lifespan, are finding unique ways to still tell stories about it. It says so much, you know, of what we see in comics is rehashing old things. It's very rarely do we see a new approach and as a longtime fan of the movies, it's nice to see a different approach to something we've seen a thousand times before. Cool. And go for it. Okay. All right. I'm going to try to keep my comments for each a little bit brief, but there are a number. So, um, I'm assuming you... there's a lot of spider stuff. Oh God. Yeah. I have things to say about spiders, but I'm going to save that. Um, did you read the, the newest chew? The one that came out yesterday? I'm talking about it. Spoiler. Okay. Did you read it? No. Damn it. Fine. I'll put that off. <laughs> but you finally read uh, issue 44, right? I read 44, yeah. I told you that was dark. Didn't that I? Was, oh, you think that's dark? <laughs> oh, dude. You ain't seen nothing yet. There's your spoiler right there. God. 45, you're going to put it does, down. Does, you know, all does, the times you just say, tell me, does Olive make it out? Damn you. You know, when you say that, damn you, Layman, that's coming. That's, you're going to get to the last page and it's, oh, yeah. Okay. Let's leave it at that. All of this death of Wolverine and Wolverine <laughs> X program and the <laughs> Logan legacy bullshit. Oh my God. Why are you still... I, you know what? Out of all these comics, you found one that you liked, and that's the and, and even then, it's it's one segment of one. But that one segment of one made me happy. I slogged through everything else because it was that spectacular. So, like the um, Logan Legacy, the last one is with Doc and and how he's dealing with this, and you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it and say, bad writing, you're not staying true to the character. Or you can look at it and say, well, in real life, somebody loses their father, even if there was distance between them, it can still change you and change the way you looked at him and how right. you feel about him as a person, even though he's not there anymore. So... Because it wasn't written well enough to establish what that is with Dokken, because it's about Dokken, but really no, you don't get any insight from the character. It's all being told about him. So the only, only insight is you can what you can glean from the others who are telling the story and recounting what happened, which there's really no point going into because it's somewhat ludicrous, especially, well, no, I will go into it. They made such a big goddamn deal about Cap and Deadpool recovering Logan's DNA so that nobody can make a clone of it. Meanwhile, these people are auctioning off his freaking broken off claws <laughs> and some, what is it? Some blood, I think, or something, some blood. And I mean, honestly, how much blood has Wolverine left across the earth? Everywhere. So really come on people. So that's one point right there where you're going, okay, well, apparently the writers and editors did not get together on this and say, okay, yes, 
you can go looking for bits of him or know it's really not that important. So, but yeah, because it's not written all that well in terms of giving us what we need to know about Duck, and it's it's uh, Ray Fox who wrote it. It's it's hard to really decide whether it's poorly written or well, it's not really well written, but the 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 the, the motivations for the character. So it it could have been much better, I think. And that's saying a lot. And then this whole Weapon X program has been showing off the new Weapon X characters. And, I mean, you've got a, you know, some lunatic that used to assault women. It, well, still does, who's been turned into a genius. You've got a guy who needs to continually exert force uses muscles or they kind of atrophy and then he's in pain and not doing well. And then you've got, uh, the flash except as a woman way to be original there guys dude with horns and a clone of Wolverine, a guy who apparently has Wolverine's memories in his head, but then he finds out from, from Creed that no, they apparently they're not, the right memories or something. It just, it's convoluted <laughs> and really not enjoyable at all. And this is Charles Sewell and it's, I really am not digging it at all. And I certainly don't give a rat's ass about the characters either. None of them, not even the guy who's supposed to be Wolverine's clone little buddy. See, it's interesting. I've loved just about everything Charles Sewell has written across all of the various companies and titles but every Wolverine thing he's touched just hasn't worked. Yeah, it, it, not good. Not good at all. Um, I read the second part of Endgame finally with Batman. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome freaking stuff. Man, and the art in that one. Oh, I know that we say this all the time, but Capullo's art, it's, it's, it fits this series and the writing so perfectly. There's there's nothing else you can say. And it's it's spectacular. Every panel, every page, panel layout, everything that's going on. I mean, you can look at the buildings falling over and you're seeing the landscape behind them. I as well. Like everything is there. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And the story yeah. was awesome obviously I'm really digging it. So yeah, that's another one that always looking forward to the next issue coming out. Um, black widow. You're, you're not reading that anymore. Are you not because I didn't like it, but there's yeah, just so no. many comics out there. And the last one was really, really good. It's kind of while she's on an ops mission and not receiving any reports on what's going on everywhere else kind of thing. Anderson Cooper is doing this report on her <laughs> and interviewing different people and saying the collateral damage that she's caused, the the murders, different stuff. And it was really well done. And it's setting up what's going to be happening for the, sh- I'll believe it, the shit storm that's going to be following this kind of thing. It was, it was actually a really good issue. And once again, talking about art, the the art in this is consistently amazing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Um, latest Borderlands. <laughs> Did you read it? 
this is what happens when you let Brick come up with the plan. Yes. I love that this is um, this is a game comic book. And while they're still putting out a good story that anybody can follow, um, who's doing this again? Newman. Uh, Mickey Newman. It still has those elements that anybody who has played that game or even a game will recognize that in the story. You know, it's the end of a quest. Where's the loot? You get the guns. <laughs> Where's the chest? And well, then, why didn't you give me the good guns before beforehand. we went on And yeah, and then the 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 different elements of a boss fight where, you know, you, you got to be careful where you step because there's going to be mines or it's always going to be a different thing based on a boss fight. And then the ads that come out as well that you would get during a boss fight. And then Freaking of course, skags. Yeah. And then of course you're getting Patricia Tannis now coming, <laughs> which for anybody who played the game, you understand how important that is because she is one of the best characters in that IP. She's just batshit crazy and funnier than hell. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's going to handle her because that's going to be awesome. I really hope this comic does well enough that we eventually get Handsome Jack. Oh, yeah, that's still a while off. I know. <laughs> Man, could you imagine that though? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, latest Cyclops. So now dad's in the the, 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 in jail and Scott's hanging out with the other dudes and cleaning toilets and doing what he's told and it's like uh, this was good I was enjoying this not so much anymore I wasn't crazy about this either that's sad it is it's too bad because again Layman love Layman but don't love everything Layman does mm-hmm. so and this is it's not that it's poorly written. That's the thing either. Everything's really well paced out. And, and there's, there's a few points that you're like, oh, come on, but not too, too many. Um, but it's, it's, I'm just not feeling it at all, at all, at all. Mm-hmm. Did you read Gotham by Midnight? Not yet. Dude. It's in the pile. Oh, put it at the top. Seriously, put it on the very, very top. Okay. It's that simple. I, the art in this, who did the art? Templesmith? I think, yeah. Ben Templesmith did the art and Ray Fox wrote it. And it is fantastic. The art style fits this perfectly. And the writing is great. The story is creepy but it's it's again i go back to thinking of the tv show gotham and i keep thinking poor guy what could they be doing better and we talked about that when we talked about gotham um gotham central um and things like that this is another one of those where we look at what they could be doing better and how and things like that and this has like a lot of elements of you know um almost Hellboy kind of stuff with mm-hmm. the supernatural and whatnot. Uh, actually, quite a bit of Hellboy. You could see that influence in there and religion and things like that. And oh my God, this was this was fantastic. 
I really enjoyed it a lot. I think it's interesting that as much fun as we make of DC of doing repeated Batman spinoffs and like half their publishing catalog is now Batman. At least the Batman spinoffs they're putting out right now are unique. Yeah. Yeah. These are really quite good. Uh, Like this is, uh, again, I don't want to go too much into the story until you read it. Um, But fair enough. Put it on top of the pile for sure. Because it, yeah, definitely worth reading. Uh, Next. Can you tell I'm going in alphabetical order here? (laughs) Um, I'm just going to say it ever so briefly. Latest Magneto with this stupid Axis crap was I didn't enjoy it because of the Axis crap. Here was a series that I was enjoying so very much. And there's elements of this that I liked with the memories of what was going on in the past with him and, uh, and Charles and things like that. And, and I, I enjoyed those things, but overall the, the entirety of the story, I, because I hated access so much, which I finally finished all of that stupidity off. You'll notice I didn't bring that up because I'm not going to, but it was bad, but yeah, I didn't enjoy this at all. I don't know if you read it even. No, I, I'm checking out of pretty much everything Axis at this point, except Nova. Nova's still great. Okay. Um, let's and jump. <laughs> Did you read the second Superior Iron Man? No. It's R- it's Axis related. I No thanks. In this case? Okay. Plus the first issue was not impressive. The first issue was horrific. This one wasn't bad. This one okay. wasn't bad. There were moments that were bad. There were moments that were quite bad, but there were also a lot more moments where it was at least a little bit more, I don't want to say believable because that's bad, but the interactions between him and Daredevil are a little bit more fun in this one. As a whole, the whole thing, I'm not going to say to anybody, go out and read it, not even you, but at least it was a little bit better than the first one, which is saying a lot because the first one was horrific kind of thing. I finally read the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters crossover, the first one. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. And man, the art in this was fantastic. Absolutely. There was a whole bunch of people working on that one. But it worked well, having the different styles as well for the different elements of the story. It's not often we say that, but in this case, I thought it worked really well, actually. Because especially because they're going through not just different time periods, but also different parallel universe kind of things so kind of i thought it worked mm-hmm. so yeah and the story was it was fun to read nothing i i wouldn't put it on par with what's going on with the turtles but no. it was still good i enjoyed yeah. it um did you read the latest wayward yes dude that was awesome i'm so freaking digging this comic book i i really enjoyed this a lot and it's i mean there wasn't a ton that was happening here, but it was establishing the team, establishing the relationship, and then what's going on in a little bit more mystery again with her mother, and then this new thing that's going on here with this freaking monk-looking dude. But And the fighting was awesome to look at. The art is so bloody good. And so, yeah, I I really enjoyed this, like, a lot. And yet, again, the essay at the back by Zach Davison who contacted us on Twitter. I was I chatting with, yeah, that was awesome. I was like, dude, I would have you on the show. And I actually didn't tell him that, but if you're listening, Zach, <laughs> we would have you on the show in a heartbeat just to talk about this stuff. Cause that was awesome. I love these 
essays at the back that he is writing. And this one was just as good. What I'm going to be doing for the next one, actually, and what I would tell people to do if you're starting fresh on this series, which I strongly suggest you people read this. It's a lot of fun. It's well-written. It's good. Flip to the end, actually. Read the essays first and then read the comic book because you'll get a lot more insight into just how well-detailed certain parts are that you would think are just, you know, throwaway kind of things that are, no, those are actually meticulously planned. So this was a great issue. Mm -hmm. So, um Oh, The Last Wolverine. The Last Wolverine and his peeps came out, the final issue. Right. You obviously did not read it either. Yeah. It's an Axis tie-in, and it is horrible. Uh, not only was it a Death of Wolverine thing, it says Axis as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was an Axis tie-in. Well, it says Axis. I, I really didn't see much elements of Axis in it, but, yeah, it was horrible. What is supposed to be a series about Wolverine and his peeps was... All about Quentin, and the ending was Aurora trying to put him in his place, essentially, kind of thing. It was, it was bad. I, I, but I mean, I hate Quentin Choir, and there were so many nonsensical things going on in this issue as well that you go, well, why would they go there? Why would they do that? Why would she do that? Why would they give a rat's ass anymore? It was. It was bad beginning to end, and this is supposed to be the last, well, not supposed to, it is the last issue. And it's a last issue in a series of a major, major, one of the biggest Marvel characters' death. Yes, it's one of many deaths, but, you know, they're playing it up like it's a real thing. So this should have been so much more, and it was terrible. I hated it. And they gave no indication at the end as to what's going on with the Jean Grey school? No, nothing. Okay, you'll find out in a couple weeks. Okay, leave it at that then. I'm saving. I'm saving the surprise. All right, because yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, Before I get into spiders, I'm gonna bounce into the Thrillbent app because I read a couple of Thrillbent series as well. Uh, I'm still subscribed to that, so I still bounce in and I get caught up on certain ones. I read Insufferable. I don't know if you read that one. I've I've read like the first arc, but I'm like super behind on the rest of it. Well, the second arc is really not that far. Mm-hmm. I I'm not crazy about it. It's really nothing that original. I really was not digging it all that much. And I'm trying to I found it fun. I mean, yeah, nothing mind blowing, but it was interesting. I don't even know who wrote this. It's Mark Wade. Is it Mark Wade who wrote that yeah. one? Okay. I'm I gotta tell you. I the, the app has got to be fixed as well to tell us right off the bat who's doing writing and art and everything like normal because it's bloody hard to figure it out sometimes. I but yeah I was not. I mean I read them all. The writing wasn't the thing is is that the writing wasn't bad. It just was wholly unoriginal. I thought so. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that stuck out. Father son team up. The son becomes a jerk. Uh, really. It was, I don't know. I, it didn't do anything for me at all. So I'm also personally still waiting for the Android app. Oh, right. And then I read The House in the Wall. Okay. I'm assuming from that that you did not read no. this one. Yeah. So The House in the Wall is written by James Tinian, 
the fourth. Oh, okay. And uh, Noah J. Yulkel will go with, and art by Eric Donovan. And the art, it took me a little bit to, not to get used to, but to get used to it as it pertains to this story. Because initially it's like, it's, it's a very jagged style. And it's not bad by any means, but it's it's kind of like looks like it might be a rushed style kind of thing just to get things out fast. But then as you get further into the story, it really fits and it's actually a really good style for for this this story. And same thing with the story as well. It, it didn't take me long to get into it, but man, when you do really get into it, I devoured everything that they had. It was a lot of fun to read and it's really weird at points and you're like it's fairly graphic at other points too the the violence that's there and it's again it's not one of those entirely original story ideas but it's what he does with it that it's well enough done that it's i really dug it i i enjoyed it quite a bit so yeah if you're going to try something on there check out the 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 house in the wall a lot of fun i enjoyed it a lot okay now we can talk about a whole crap load of friggin' spiders because there's a lot. Yeah. So let's start off first with um, Amazing Spider-Man stuff that's been going on with the actual, um, the second part of the Spider-Verse, which I'm assuming you're completely caught up with this. There's one spinoff I haven't read, but okay. yeah. So here was a lot more of again the teams the 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 team of spider men and women all coming together and having the one fight with uh what's his name and then finding out that he's kind of cloning himself what what, what did you think of that Okay I, at least it explains why Morloon keeps coming back <laughs> See to me it seemed like a cop out Oh it absolutely is cuz if it <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's going to make it so that they have to kind of get rid of the means by which they're cloning. So that's going to be part of the story. But it, it at least so far, all it did was feel like a cop-out and a means of extending the story as opposed to mm. creating drama with the existing characters. You just, oh, they beat them. Well, it was a big fight and isn't that? Oh, but there's another one. Yeah. As far as like, a story construct is concerned, yeah, not terribly impressed with it. But it does give us the awesome Scarlet Spiders miniseries. Yeah. So, so it's kind of a trade-off. I like the interactions between Peter and Miles oh, in, yeah. in this as well. I, I think Because Miles is one of the few people that's met both versions. Yeah. Both I, Peter and Ock. I'm feeling that Miles is actually being grossly underused. Which is too bad, actually. But the thing is, is that Slot has done such an amazing job with the other spider people that it's like, well, we kind of have Miles on a regular basis already. Let's let these other spiders shine for a while. And I'm kind of all right with that. There's still plenty of story to tell as well. Yeah. All right. Hey, so, keep keep him in the background and give him his big hero moment like he had against Green Goblin. Yeah, exactly. Um so you read Spider-Woman number one? That's the one I didn't read. Oh, okay. And I'm sure you can guess why. There, did you see the picture 
the, the yes. What the fuck is up with that stupid ass finger on the cheek stupidity kind of girly girl pose? They're in the midst of this. It looked nice in the magazine he traced it out of. Oh my god, the art in this is like when it's good is fantastic but when it's bad and that creepy soulless smile that he puts on everybody (laughs) that their eyes are dead and they've got this big weird smile oh my god it's just and every woman looks exactly the same with the same pouty mouth lips and everything it was like oh grace but the character interactions are fantastic Jessica with Silk is funny. And then when you're getting the other people in as well, kind of showing up to to take over later, it's still worth reading. But there's poses and there's different things. The the little Silk biting her finger coyly and and that that stupid, I can't get... All you had to do was describe it to me. And in my head, I just conjured up seven different images of the exact same pose with seven different characters who all looked identical. God, the art was horrible. And I'm pretty sure if I were to look into the comic, it would be the exact same picture thing. I'm thinking of in my in my head. It was just so freaking bad. I hated it. It's his Sue Storm, Jean Grey, Emma Frost yeah. look. Yeah, it, it is. They all look exactly the same and and bad. It's just bad. Scarlet Spiders, number one. You read mm-hmm. that one then? Love so, the team up. Mike Costa and Paco Diaz. Yeah, this was a good team up. It was... Uh, it was <laughs> Ben is just great here. <laughs> it's like it's Peter. It's just a young, naive Peter kind of thing. And pairing him up with the other two clones, this was a a, a fun issue to read as well. I really enjoyed this a lot. And I'm looking forward to seeing what more is going to be happening there. Yeah, this issue is why I'm okay with the whole inheritors or clones thing. Yeah, especially <laughs> I love that... It's it's her Black Widow who's like taking care of the suit. <laughs> and how many times <laughs> did you get electrocuted and things like that? <laughs> and then putting it on the other dude. So that was awesome. And then Spider-Man 2099, finally. Um, this wasn't as good as the other two. Right. But I still enjoyed it a lot. Um, some goofy, stupid teenage bullshit. Damn it, I'm going to be bleeping a lot yeah, you, of this. You've got duck quacks all over this thing. Uh, this, this is why, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I like the, the reveals, too, for the the uh, steampunk spider girl. Mm-hmm. That she's not actually a spider. So I'm hoping that means that she's going to have a much larger role in how she's able to hurt him then, potentially. Maybe. At Who least, knows? At least then that means she probably won't get eaten yeah that'd be cool because we need a lot more of her that'd be (laughs) freaking awesome not in this time in her time steampunk victorian age kind of time so again i didn't think this one was as good as the other two but it was still a lot of fun yeah that's it okay you sure well i did get caught up on samurai you know theoretically we're doing another episode in five days right (laughs) fine (laughs) Have you been keeping up with Samurai Jack? Yes. I haven't read the latest one yet, but yes. I d- that's the, actually the only one I haven't read, but the other stuff been 
ton of fun. When they got turned into women, oh, dude, <laughs> I want a print of that. <laughs> of Samurai Jack as a woman with the sword looking badass. I want a print of that so bad. That was awesome. Maybe we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. <laughs> okay. All right. So for yesterday's new releases, it's a thankfully very light week this week. Marvel, we have the first issue of Angela Asgard's Assassin. We have Deadpool number 38, Guardians 3000 number 3, Iron Fist the Living Weapon number 7, and as we mentioned, Legendary Star-Lord number 6. DC, we have Batman Eternal number 35, Gotham Academy number 3, Justice League 3000 number 12. I did read issue 11, so we're going to come around to that at some point as well. Mm -hmm. We have uh, the premiere of, well, the return of the fan favorite Gail Simone series with Secret Six number 1, and we have Swamp Thing number 37. From Image, again, as we mentioned, Chew number 45, (laughs) Low number 5, Nailbiter number 8, and Tooth and Claw number 2. Uh, It's also been brought to my attention. I guess there was some sort of copyright issue Uh, after this in future issues as well as reprints. It's going to be called The Autumn Lands. No longer Tooth and Claw. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I didn't know. That's happened to a couple image series lately where they had to change the title for copyright reasons. Don't they have a research department? Seriously. (laughs) What are you guys paying? What do you think Google is for, people? And then finally, uh, Dark Horse brings us Alien vs. Predator, Fire and Stone, number three. And that's going to wrap us up here at a miraculously, <laughs> we got it out issue of the Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. And hopefully next week, we'll see you again. But until then, thanks for listening. Damn it, you keep forgetting. Yes. Oh, Popcorn Ronin. Jesus. You know, halfway through the episode, I even reminded myself, talk about Popcorn Rona. It just yes, it was uh, such a great episode. And- yes, we, we had a fantastic discussion uh, the other day about uh, Big Hero 6, the animated movie, and comparing it to the comic, which we discussed here a couple of months ago. And yeah, we had a lot of fun recording that episode. Lots of really great uh, discussions, comparisons, and just fans squealing about how great the movie yeah. was. So uh, popcornronin.com, go check that one out. Is that so hard? Seriously, get yourself some sticky notes. (laughs) Put them up on your mic so that you notice. (laughs) I remembered. It's just that I forgot again. Yeah. Again, I have my excuse and I remembered. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 